0: Well, this week is going to build on last week's message, and if you didn't hear last week's message, I really recommend you just hit pause on this one. Go back and listen to that one first. I'm going to have to summarize a little bit, but there was a lot on that message that I had never taught before because I never understood it before. And this one is kind of the same way. It's, uh, I'm understanding after 40 years of being a Christian, the parable of the sower. <laughs> Probably heard a thousand messages in my lifetime on the parable of the sower. And finally beginning to understand it. At least at this level. I mean, there's many levels of understanding the word, you know. Let's start off with this. This is the verse that we're going to, uh, that he's going to open up for us tonight. Mark 4. You can turn to Mark 4. We are going to have verses tonight. A little bit of a Bible study, but I'm headed to, we're headed to something exciting. Now, the verse I'm after is verse 19, but let's just go ahead and let's get the flow of the parable, starting in verse 13. They didn't understand it when he taught it to them, so he says to them, "'Know you not this parable? Well, how then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately.'" And taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Who when they have heard the word. Immediately receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. Afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in. Now here's the phrase. Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. That's not the person that becomes unfruitful. Whatever happens here, it causes the Word. And see, in my, my religiously trained brain says that's not possible. Because no Word of God is without power. God's Word is all-powerful, right? Well, We'll see here tonight. <laughs> Pretty sure Jesus knows better than we do. So let's read that verse again. Verse 19 is the one He's going to teach on tonight. But we'll finish it in verse 20. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world. You'll see that real clear. That's the one that we're going to see tonight. The cares of this world, but it could be other things like the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in. Notice, choke the word, and it, the word, becomes unfruitful. These are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just as a bonus, <laughs> since Alan's been teaching by the Spirit about maturity, and really Hans was today also. Really, he didn't call it that, but it was... Maturity level, even on operating, or let's say flowing with the Spirit. I think that's the phrase he used. See, when Jesus, he talks about putting you, you know, you being born again, your light being on a candlestick. But he, he concludes this teaching on maturity. He gives two parables, and both of them have to do with maturity. So let's, let's look at that while we're here to validate the message. So come on down to verse 26. He said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. Now notice, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Would you call that a mature ear? See? You don't harvest until the maturity comes. See? But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. That parable is about maturity, okay? And then the next one, verse 30, 30, he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, and and with what comparison shall we compare it? Well, it's like a grain of a mustard seed. And we all know that somebody gave me an actual uh, mustard seed from the land of Israel one time. It just looks like a pepper grain. It's so small. It was in a little clear teardrop-looking thing. But that little seed from it, there's a big image in that seed. And it grows to be a tree about 15 foot tall. So they understood what he was talking about. He says, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, it's less than all the seeds that be in the earth. (laughs) Verse 32, but when it is sown, now what? What did Alan say today? Grow up. up. (laughs) It groweth up. Maturity. Christ in us has to come to a place of maturity. And now He's mature, but that transformation process has to come to a maturing. We have to become mature. So when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater. doesn't start off greater. It becomes greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. But now tonight, so maturity is absolutely vital to this, this whole process. Now, again, let's look at verse 19 before we launch into t- tonight's lesson. And the cares of this... Now, the sower sows the Word, but then the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in n- choke the Word. Choke the Word. And it... It what? The Word becomes unfruitful have a hard time with that all right I'm just going to put your remembrance of two verses uh, one of them is Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 what is the ultimate mystery of the gospel Christ in you and that's that's Colossians 1 27. to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory now, that's the mystery. Christ in us. All right, now, going back to the last week's lesson, we started off with this verse. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, in this whole chapter, what he's really talking about, this treasure in context here, is the gospel that we carry. We we take the light of the gospel everywhere we go. This is the passage where it says, uh, you know, if, if in verse three it says, if the gospel, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. See, be lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. So, He's actually talking about the gospel here. We have this treasure, the gospel, the message, in earthen vessels. Well, what's the earthen vessel? Obviously, he's talking about our bodies, our, our physical vessels. And we do have the treasure of the gospel. But see, we have more than that because we have Christ in us, the living Christ in us. John 17, Father, I in them... Thou in me You've actually got Christ And in Christ you've got the Holy Ghost So we have this treasure in earthen vessels Notice that the power May be of God Not of us So we don't ever want to get that confused I don't care if God used Billy today To empty 27 wheelchairs The power is not of Billy The power is of God Isn't that right? But now So I want us to think tonight, when we come to discussing Mark chapter 4, which go back over to Mark 4, I should have had you stay there, I'm sorry. Tonight, when it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and again, this is just recapping from last week. The treasure I want you to think of is Christ in you. Now, how do you illustrate that before the resurrection? And again, I never saw it until just very recently, that I had always ended my meditation of the sower sows the word too early. I always ended it at the end of Mark chapter 4. But I'm telling you right now, by uh, by the authority of the teacher mandate I've been given, or office I've been given, that story doesn't end until Mark chapter 5 and verse 20. Because he is absolutely illustrating the parable of the sower. So let's pick it up. Uh, we're heading, checking just a moment. No? Okay. We're not. We're not going to read it. We're going to tell it. <laughs> but this part is really important. Look at verse thirty-five. I, <laughs> I, I love the word. Just, it's so important. I remember the day this stood up. This was 20, 20 years, twenty years ago. These words stood up off the page to me, to alert me that that this was continuing with it. It's verse. It says, "And the same day." That is so important. The same day that he teaches them all of this long teaching about the sower sows the word and about maturity and all of that, the same day the sower sows the word, he gives them a word. Let us pass over unto the other side. The sower has sowed the word. They have received it. Nobody argued with him. We can do this. Let's get in the boat. And they're headed to the other side. Now, it's important to me. He doesn't tell them why. They're crossing over to the other side. They don't need to know why. Very often, he tells... Sue and I could both testify time and time and time again. He tells us to do something. Why? And the silence is deafening. (laughs) Sometimes he might tell you. Most times, I would say. He does not. And the thing of it is, all you really need to know... Is enough for the next step That's all they need to know Let us cross over to the other side So the disciples receive the word with gladness Don't they? Okay, hallelujah We're going to the other side Everybody get in the boat Avar, our Avast. Get in, we're going Let go of the ropes Put down the sail Here we go So they're going to the other side And what happens? What did he tell them would happen? He says, when the sower sows the word Satan cometh immediately What's the purpose? To take away the word that was sown in your heart. So here they're going to the other side, and a great storm comes. Satan comes immediately. Now, what's the purpose of the storm? Distraction is the right word. It's to get your mind eventually off of the mission, the assignment, and to get it on something else. When you read this story, you can find out what else it got on. (laughs) Because he says in verse 38, and you got to understand, these men make their living. They have made their living on this sea. They understand this. They have been through all kinds of storms. But see, this one, you ever notice Satan, he always says, yeah, you might have survived those other storms, but I'm going to kill you this time. (laughs) And he gets it to them. They think the same thing. They have outlasted how many storms on that sea? But here, verse 38, uh, Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the ship on a pillow. They woke him up. and what? Notice what their focus is. They do not say, we're having trouble getting to the other side. Is that what they say? No, that's totally left their mind now. We're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. Diversion, distraction, forget that mission. His job, the devil, is to put you into survival mode. I want to say it again. Most people know I just recently went through, uh, open heart surgery. Trust me. That is a distraction. <laughs> okay? <laughs> a big time distraction. But two things I, I, that was real clear to me through the whole thing. The devil did not do that to me. I did that to me. Through 75 years of foolish eating. Okay? It's just what it is. Let's tell it, tell it like it is. But I will tell you this. My mind, I had to fight to keep my mind on revival. And I did, though. I had to to bring it back. I don't know how many times. And I'd sit there and I'd say, I want to pray this next hour. I I may not can can walk. I may not can drive. I may not can... I don't even have a Bible in the room here with me. I guess I did on my phone. But I can pray in tongues. And I couldn't do much, but I'd sit there in that chair that Angie, Angie knows the chair. And Sue does. They saw the i just sit there and real softly, and I'd remember Pastor Dave. Thank God. It's not the volume. It's not, I could hear his voice. It's, it's not the volume. It's the syllables. It's the, it's the words that the Holy Spirit is giving you. Shine that up. My God. But it's easy to get distracted. See? Well, they got distracted. Carest thou not that we perish? And for years I couldn't understand why Jesus was so hard on them. Because they worked hard. they Man, they bailed and toiled and they used all their experience as fishermen. But there's two problems. Because he he doesn't see... A lot of times he'll just say, why is your faith small? But look at verse 40. How is it that you have no faith? That just seemed harsh to me. toil all night. My early understanding of why he said no faith is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And what they used was carnal. Natural experience, physical effort, bailing out the ship, sails, all of their experience as fishermen. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Jesus did not use any carnal weapon, did he? What did he do? He used the way, he used the authority he had as the Son of God. And the more I understand this, they could have too. What we have to remember is when we've been given an assignment, say it another way, and the sower sows the word to you. Satan's going to come, going to make it look like you're going to die. Now, it may not, or that you're going to go bankrupt, that your business is over, that your marriage is going to fall apart, that your health is going to fall apart, whatever it is, your vision is going to die, whatever it is. He doesn't care. See, but you can, st- if you received an assignment from the Lord Jesus Christ, you can stand up with authority and say, "Peace, be still." We're going to the other side. Jesus certainly wasn't worried, was he? Well, you know the story. He calms the storm, thank God, They make it to the other side. Now, that pretty well summarizes where we were last week, except that we did talk about the madman of Gadara, Because now when they get there, they find out. They find out why. Yes, sir. Okay, I didn't emphasize this. What's going on here... This, this whole story is here for the purpose of illustrating Christ in you and that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is about the best way I think you could illustrate that before the resurrection. How do you show Christ in somebody? So what, what we've got here, they have Christ in a wooden vessel. <laughs> They've got him in a boat, but a boat can be sunk. A boat, a boat is fragile like your body. It can be broken. And, and so they're in there. Well, you're in there, aren't you? Aren't you in your vessel? And Christ is in there. So it's illustrating, I think, the best that, we, that the Holy Spirit could of crossing over to the other side with Christ in your vessel. But see, He needs your authority. He needs you to speak, too. And if the enemy tries to sink your boat or shut down your vessel, you need to be able to speak in the name of Jesus and still make it to the other side. Amen? Now... In this story, once they get there, the disciples, their assignment's pretty much over. Notice they don't try and help him. Here comes the madman of Gadara out of the tombs, naked and and unclothed, and chains won't hold him, and ankle bracelets won't hold him, and he's cutting himself with stones, and they're going, we're glad you don't need any help. (laughs) <laughs> There's, get him Jesus, get him. <laughs> See, their job is to get the treasure there. We've got to keep that in mind. Our job is to get the treasure there. He doesn't need our help. He needs our obedience. <laughs> now, how, yes, and we find out the purpose. He always has a reason for everything he does. Why go to the other side? We, we find out in chapter 5. He has left the safety of the ninety and nine to go and seek after the one who is lost. Here you've got this man possessed with over 2,000 devils in the tombs. This man is so far gone. He's beyond any of your 12-step programs, any self-help. He is beyond all reason. Your counseling is not going to help him. Your Bible study is not going to help him. The only thing that's going to help him is the treasure. And it's got to be the power of Almighty God. Whew. Hallelujah. That's the why. Now, how would it have been possible, back to our, our verse tonight, to choke the Word, and it, the Word, becometh unfruitful? Well, what if they would have given up? What if they would have just gave up in the middle of that sea, Turned around, went back to where they came from. The word never got to the other side. And the madman of Gadara would not have been delivered. At least not on that day. The word would have become, say it, unfruitful. Because the tactic of the enemy worked. It caused them to quit. Caused them to turn around. In our scenario, contending for revival, He's using everything possible to discourage us to the point that we quit. Quit praying. Quit all that fasting stuff. Quit that in the Word. Quit that declaring. None of this is working. Look at all these other churches that are growing and yours is getting smaller. Everything in the world trying to discourage us to get us to quit so that we don't ever get to the other side. Because the other side for us is revival. And the power is certainly not going to be of us. The power is of God. But that's how the word becomes unfruitful, is when he, see the sower sowed the word, alright, and told them to go to the other side, but they're literally transporting the word himself in that vessel. We have to understand when he gives us an assignment, we are, as we follow his direction, we are bringing the treasure to wherever it is, He wants us to bring it. And when we get there, the power is of him and not of us. And the enemy, of course, is going to try and stop you. And the only way that the word can become unfruitful where it does not accomplish the mission is if we get discouraged and quit or you can die. You can die young. See, I've got unfulfilled prophecies that I know absolutely are from God. Some things have come to pass in our life. Sue and I can give you a whole list of things that we know is God talking either to us directly or through Dave or others that have not yet come to pass. Well, what if I'd have died last month? Well, see, blame God. No. Blame cheeseburgers. No. Blame Gary for eating cheeseburgers stupidly for that many years. The lusts of other things entering in choked the word and it became unfruitful. Why? Because Gary died early. Y'all do know I'm, I didn't die. (laughs) Hallelujah. But if he gets you to quit, if he can get you in a situation where you, where you die somehow, or He just distracts you with other things. And I don't want to get mean, but uh, a lot of... Oh, how do I say that and not be mean, Lord? Well, it's just like Jesus when uh, when that time when he, when he told them, unless you eat My flesh and drink My blood, you have no life in you. Many many of his disciples, it said, not just people, but many of his disciples, they couldn't handle that. That was just too far. And so they decided to leave. That's what's happened here a lot. Uh, it's just too much. All this mortification and prayer and everything. I want to go somewhere where it's a little, little better. Well, God loves them. They're still saved. They're on their way to heaven, okay? And, and I believe a lot of them will come back once we start bringing the grapes in. You know what I mean by that, that, where the fruit is manifested. But our job is not to focus on them. Our job is to keep focusing on us, getting to the other side, pressing into revival. Okay. Since he brings this up, I'd, uh, there's a prophecy that came through Jim Martin Wednesday night. Usually we're always referring back to Bronx prophecies, but this time... And they're all good. But, but this one, when I heard it, I knew it was really, really important. Uh, or they're all important. I don't. <laughs> anyway, I recommend that you, uh, listen. And I, it, it was an unusual service. He didn't teach at all. Wednesday, the most recent Wednesday night service. And it was all worship. I think they called it a night in his presence. But in about the last 10 minutes or so, Jim gives this prophecy. So many things in there, and I didn't bring it with me, and that's not the focus. But boy, some things that he said in there about prophecy. Uh, about, And really it's about not letting the Word become unfruitful. You need to go back and get those. When you combine that one up with one that came through Bronk, one of the ways that he said it through Bronk was like this. He said, I don't care if I said that to you 20 years ago and it hasn't come to pass yet. That word is just as alive as if I spoke it to you today. Dude. <laughs> and he says, go back and pick them up. He said a similar thing to Sue a couple of a few years ago. He says, Re- rewind so that I can fast forward. What he was talking about Go back to all of those early things That I spoke to you about All those things I said to you Get them back in your memory Go over them again Get them fresh in you And he's going to fast forward And bring them to come to pass Hallelujah Praise God How does the word itself Become unfruitful When the enemy pounds on you And pounds on you Sends storm after storm after storm Until you one, for one reason or another You quit You give up or you get sidetracked, or like it says, the lusts of other things, or the deceitfulness of riches. I actually had a man one time say to me he was leaving the prayer center. He says, because I'm not going to be poor all my life. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to have things. And he was leaving here because he was going to focus on that. And, uh, well, God loves him too. See verse 20, go back to Mark 4 now. Yes sir. Yes sir. So in this, ki- yes, there are so many things in this that we it's gonna, ta- I don't know how long it's gonna take for me to get it all out. Cause it's, and it's still coming. See, what is the purpose of the whole thing if the madman does not get delivered? We gotta understand, that is the fruit. There is a fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, temperance, meekness, faith, and so forth. There is a fruit that were to grow and manifest on the inside of us. But when the sower sows the Word, there is a reason. There is fruit that he's after. And in this case, that madman of Gadara, him being set free, that is the fruit. That's why he says back here in verse 20... These are they which are sown on good ground. Now what is good ground? Good ground is different from all the other ground up through here. So this is ground that's not going to be moved by the cares of this world. This is ground that's not going to be moved by the deceitfulness of riches. This is ground that uh, that's not going to quit because of persecution or affliction, so forth. But even on good ground, hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit... Some thirty-fold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Well, we all want to be a hundred. I just, it's just amazing the timing of the Lord. I'm listening again to Pastor Dave this week on uh, the worship series, private worship series number four. And he talks about the last forty percent. I just heard it this week again. He said that last forty percent is a bear. That's the word he used. He said it's a bear. And the thing he mentions in there that surprised me, he said that has more to do with greed than you would suppose. He says, really, mammon is an admirable foe. And you can think you're free from it. And you get down to the last 40% if nothing else works, very often the test that you'll come up against one way or another is going to be mammon. And you'll find out what your treasure is. Is it the madman of Gadara? Or is it a vacation home in Florida or something? You know. Hallelujah. Praise God. So even on good ground, there's there can be 30-fold. There can be 60-fold. There can be 100-fold. Again, we're not going to have... To. These lessons are not long, but I think they're instructive. I'm getting some out something out of them whether you are or not. But I understand now how the word itself can become unfruitful, and that's if we quit whatever it was he set us for us to do, we quit, yes, sir. Now I'm not going to mention a name tim Tim knows who who he won't know who maybe he he knows who I'm talking about if we talked. There was a man here quite a few years ago now, good, really good man, definitely called to be a gospel entrepreneur. And did his best. Was had a good business going. Uh, never really strayed from the vision. But he got attacked in his body, and wound up leaving the planet early. Well, there was so many prophecies, and at the time I didn't understand at all. So if if the enemy can take you off the earth, Lord, don't you care that we perish? But see, you can't focus on that. You got. You gotta understand just like why was Jesus asleep on the pillow in the same storm? Because he knows. Nothing the devil nothing the devil can do can stop the word of God if it's believed and acted on. So he's just resting in what in what God told him to do. Well we've got to come to that same place and not switch our attention. Don't you care that we perish? You may have to go through some things. I'm going I've gone through some things. Still going through a little bit. Thank God for all the help. Y'all sent so much food, we're not going to have to go to the grocery store for six months. I mean, everything. We got so much food in the freezer, and then there, you know, almost have to put a strap on the freezer to keep the door shut. I mean, you know. Thank you for all your help and prayers, and (laughs) we thank thank God for all of that. But see, I can't lose sight of the vision. We can't lose sight. What if you come down and there's nobody here but you to for prayer? Well thank God you're there. Get to praying. Get to praying. We can't can't Lord, don't you care that we perish. You're not going to perish if you do what I tell you. If I if I continue, we're going to be here an hour. So we're we're going to we're going to no, hit somebody go ahead. We're going to end it for tonight here. But there is so much more to come. Even beyond this. I never, it's amazing, again, the depth of the Word of God and how you can only understand and receive it as you mature. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. You can only receive at the level of maturity where you are. We started off sowing the Word for a two-tone brown van (laughs) that we needed. And sure enough, it worked. We sowed the word to deliver our children, and it worked. We sowed the word so many times for our own health and other things. But see, now it's changing to where He sows the word. He sows the word into us, and our job is to obey, to use these earthen vessels to deliver the treasure wherever it needs to go, to whoever it needs to go to, so that the power to deliver the fruit is of God and not of us. We'll stop right there. That's a good place to stop. Hallelujah. That's good stuff.